When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne for Cully. Unfortunately, Cully had some pri- uh, some obligations he had to attend to, so he won't be here for the first half of the episode. But don't worry, we have the absolute beauty from Trainwreck. I have Ty B, regular guest here on the show. Um, Ty, how are we feeling tonight, buddy? Oh, we're feeling real good. I made a good trip out over to Beltline Brewery the other day. I had to stock up on that new release, All Right Hollywood. You know, we're drinking local, trying to support these local businesses, especially if you got that stimulus. It is not meant to stimulate China's economy. Don't buy everything through Amazon. Buy locally as long as you can. Absolutely. I can't agree more, for sure. Um, that's that's definitely a conversation I had quite a bit today Uh uh, just both at work and on social media is make sure everybody we're buying locally right now. Um, our economy needs this money, um, especially small businesses. So local pizzerias, any local restaurants that are, you know, mom and pop places that are just still doing takeout. If you're not going to cook, make sure you order in from there, you know, give your money to the people who need it right now. For sure. I can't agree with you more, Ty. But other than that, dude, honestly, again, it's been just kind of like a quiet week. Um, not having sports is driving me absolutely fucking insane. I know we oh, talked. Yeah. I know we talked about this a little bit with Tristan uh, the other the other day in our in our in our Crossing Swords group chat. Um, it's it's crazy, dude. Like, I like you guys are being you guys are willing to pretty much bet on anything right now, right? <laughs> like, I mean, pretty much. I've already bet a hundred dollars on when Darien Lake would open. Uh, the date is May eighteenth. And right now, the tentative soft reopen of the state is May 16th. So I'm getting slightly worried about that. I think I'll still still come out on the right side. There's no chance it's opening before that, I don't think. Um, but, you know, you got Tristan live betting on Madden simulations. Um, through Trainwreck and uh, Gratwick Gaming, we've been running some of our own Madden simulations a full season. Unfortunately, I believe the Bills just bowed out of the playoffs, but it looks like we're going to be going into season two simulating a full offseason, seeing what all these teams can do and seeing if the Bills can get it done in the next season. But, you know, we're going to be hopping on, doing a ton of different content with sports, you know, not fully being here. I think I'm going to start hopping into the COD streaming game a little bit. 
I I really suck. I'm not gonna lie. I suck, <laughs> but somehow I have 16 wins now. Um, I'm just a team player. I understand what you got to do. You got to revive your boys. You got to get that money to get them back. Uh, the people who are going to get the kills because it's not going to be me, but they need me to get back into the game. Uh, we all have our roles, and you know I'm 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 a real locker room guy. Oh man, you got you really bring some good culture to the room. That's for sure. You're 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 a true uh, microfolique, as Jason Brower will put it. Big mm-hmm. lock big locker room guy. He's a big locker room guy. Big acquisition. See, <laughs> but the difference is like they they add me to the team and they start winning for whatever reason. Literally, I took a week off while I was super busy, you know, with work going into Easter. And my buddies literally no wins. I hop on one day, first game, we get we start winning. And I'm like, yeah, I think maybe I was a good luck charm. I might suck. I might have like a point five, point six KD, but like it, it, it works. I get the kills when I need them. It's better than like the one empty net goal for Lee had for the Sabers when he uh, when he came onto the team. Exactly. Um, you need you need the goals. You need the big kills when it counts, and I think that's what I provide. I'm not gonna, you know, run up the stats, but I'm there when it when it matters, and I think we're gonna, you know, be able to provide a little bit of entertainment that way. Uh, do a couple little little bit of things outside the box for everyone to, you know, keep providing some content through Trainwreck. Oh, for sure, buddy. And um, I know, I, I know, uh, you know, if from the outside looking in, uh, I'm sure the people like obviously really appreciate it. Um, I just, like I said, I'm going stir crazy here. I just spent an entire week vacation. Literally, I'm not kidding you, Ty. Just sitting in one fucking spot on my couch, at least for 85 to 90% of my vacation. I watched so much fucking Law & Order, SVU, and The Office. I, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I set a personal record, man, for episodes watched. Because I just, there's just nothing to do. Nothing to do. Yeah, I, that's I, that's I, impressive because I know a lot of people who spent a lot of hungover Saturdays just glued to their couches, you know, watching SVU on repeat all day long. So oh. for you to be able to do that as long as you did, that's that's a feat in its own because right. I can do it maybe a day, but that's about it. Are you are you a big Law and Order guy? Uh, SVU, I don't I don't like the rest of them to be honest. Yeah, dude, um, SVU is my big, jam. Big Mariska Hargitay fan. Oh, who is uh, she's, she's she's an not, I don't like Stabler all that much. I think what? he's a little too unstable for the job he he was <laughs> what? in. What? Dude, how could you not look? Honest to God, man, after Stabler left, I had a hard time watching SVU for about two, three years. I did. Yeah. I don't know. Stabler was just too unstable for his position. <laughs> well, that's what made him. It was a wild card, dude. That's what made it so yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't want I don't want that wild card in my, in my police uh, precinct, to be honest. I, I want know, someone who's a little bit more level-headed and... Uh, He's gonna play by the book a little bit. If I if I'm the captain and I but I mean I guess in New York City it's a little different than than Buffalo. I don't know, man. If I I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm all about you know uh, that that way of thinking. But man, it, Stabler had his way of getting his answers when he wanted them, man. And actually, you know what? I don't know if you ever have you ever yeah, seen how many trials did they end up losing because of that? <laughs> it's true. That's true. You, do you remember the episode where he went undercover? Um, he went undercover as a. Uh, TSA agent to uh, it was that that girl that girl who was um got killed by the tiger. She oh yes, yeah, when they were smuggling in the, yeah, the, the, the exotic animal. Yeah, the exotic animal. That was crazy, dude. That yeah, movie, he, that, oh, that, movie, that, that episode was that amazing, one. dude. Amazing. One of my favorite Stabler episodes for sure. Um, yes, that one I'll give it to yeah, you. I'll give it well, to you. how did you like kind of like Stabler's replacement in Amaro? Uh, 
See, I, 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 I was yeah. the, I was waiting for you to say that you liked him but, because if you're gonna tell me, you, you have, he's he's all right. But then you have, I just I love Ice T's character. Who doesn't love Ice so. T, dude? He's an absolute. Oh, he's he's a fucking he's a magician, dude. I love exactly. Ice-T. So like, as long as he's still there, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, John, you are you familiar with John Mulaney, the comedian? Yes, I've loved. Do, John do you ever hear his bit on Ice T? I believe I have. Oh my god, it is it is absolute electric. Um, it's like he he goes, you know, John Mulaney loves Ice T because every time Ice T talks about a case, it's like he's oh, doing yes, it for yes, the yes, first yes, time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's like they uh the uh, the Mulaney goes um you mean to tell me this guy girls gets gets off on girls with pigtails? He goes, yeah, Ice, you were. Yeah for the sex crimes division you're gonna have to probably get used to that yeah he's like i could literally i could literally just listen to hours of just iced tea explaining uh asking questions and explaining shit um uh what, what, what was the line they used um so it's like they were trying to explain to Ice T. Melanie goes. He tries to explain to Ice T what sex addiction sex addiction was, and it like takes him a couple minutes to figure it out. And then the uh, Melanie goes. He's like, "Oh, I get it. It's like when someone smokes too much cane or smokes too many cigarettes." And he goes, "Oh yeah, Ice, you got it. You got it." He goes, and then like Melanie goes, "But I can seriously watch four hours of just Ice T naming different things." To, exp- to explain his thought process of what sex addiction is. And he goes, or when someone eats too much cake, or when someone eats too much cake and throws it up, or when someone use, uh, uses too many scratchy lotteries. Oh, man, that fucking... <laughs> dude, that, 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 episode, that, 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 that stand-up skit. Yeah, that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, like Ice-T. It's just like every... He's, every t- always, he's just always baffled. He's like, yeah, these, well, we, these criminals yeah. are just getting crazier getting and crazier. crazier. Like, they do the wildest things. Yeah, like it's so like seriously, it's like, dude, you know what you signed up for when you got into the yeah. special, vic- special victims unit, buddy. Yeah, and like he's like, oh, you've been here for like ten years, and you're always in this state of confusion every single case that comes up. Oh man, Ice T, he's an absolute beauty, man. I love Ice T. Like the show, him, him and Mariska, it, it just would not be the same without them. Like Rollins was a nice ad years ago. I like yeah, her. She's okay. Carisi, I like Carisi because he was kind of ignorant and dumb coming in, but now he's kind of like now he's now he's a DA or the assistant DA or whatever it is now. But yeah, um, I like Carisi a lot. Yeah, Carisi's good. Um, I don't like Rollins because she's always kind of led him on. Uh or she's always kind of led Carisi on and then she just pops out two kids with other dudes or whatever. And Carisi's just like there in love with her, but whatever. But, um, yeah, dude. So I was just on my couch for such a long time watching SVU. But another thing I wanted, did you see that, uh, they're doing a spinoff series with Stabler? Yes, I did. I don't know how that's going to be. I, like I said, like, I don't know, Stabler wasn't the best within SVU, but I oh, think kiss my ass. I now that he's not in the oh. special victims unit and can be a little bit more, maybe a little crazier, I think it, I think it might work well. Dude, uh, you know, uh, Joe DiBiase tweeted out earlier this week, there's a hill I'll die on, and he names those three things, uh, Hashik being the GOAT, um, Tyrod Taylor being underappreciated, and I forget what the third thing was. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember, 
But the one hill I will die on, same thing, Hashik is the absolute GOAT. Anybody who says otherwise, I will absolutely throw hands with you. I will move your face three three inches to the left. I don't care. Um, numbers prove it. Had Hashik started at an earlier point in his career, he'd probably be the king of goaltending, hold every record. You know, I don't care what anybody says. But the other the other hill I will die on is that the show is still not the same without Elliot Stabler. It just isn't. No, no, it 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 definitely isn't. Um, you always need that sort of wild card, extra edge, especially when you're doing, you know, like a criminal thriller type show. And I think Dick Wolf's always done that. He's always had those guys oh, yeah. who sort of push the boundary. And Stabler was the one for that show, but uh, it, I'm not a big drama guy. But SVU is one of those few shows that actually did, you know, hook me in and. I've spent too many hours hungover on the couch, especially during oh, college yeah. watching. It's 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 like, I, I I don't know, man. Like I know so much about the justice system because of that show. Um, you ever see uh, Horrible Bosses? Oh, I, it's one of my favorite movies. Oh, Low for key. sure. That's like a super underrated movie. Yeah, when Charlie Day, uh, when he's when he's in the interrogation room and they're interrogating him, and just like, are we under arrest? And he just starts going on this like big speech, and it goes turns. I was like, I know all this because I watched Law and Order. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so much. Stuff. Exactly. Oh yeah, man, I love that show so much, and I'm I, I, unlike you, man. Like I said, I think uh, Elliot Stabler was the perfect uh, match for. Marishka, uh, I'm pronouncing her name right, Marishka? Marishka, Marishka Hargitay. But, um, say that five times fast. But, um, the, the one, the, actually the episodes that I would have loved to have seen Stabler in, remember the guy that was stalking Marishka Hargitay and then, um, Oh, the guy, and then God's like her family? Yeah, yeah, like, he, he, he had this, he, uh, um, she ended up, uh, trying to kill him remember he was chained yeah she, yep. she he kidnapped her but then she turned the turned the cards on him and then um she beat him while he was handcuffed to the bed mm-hmm. like i can't blame her i don't care i don't i don't care what like she, that guy that guy literally made her life a living hell and killed and raped how many people Fuck, man, i'm surprised she didn't kill him uh i would have loved to i would have loved to have seen elliot stabler been a part of that because and, my god yeah yeah i, I mean i get you but and that's why I think I'm more of a, a comedic show type of guy. Yeah. That, that, uh, there's just so much that I don't want to happen, actually, yeah. in real life. Oh, for sure. And, like, and me and you, we, we, we have a lot of the same politics and the same, like, ways of thinking. But, that, like I said, that's a hell I'll die on, and you know, about when it comes to Stabler and SVU. But um, having said that, uh, we also teased last episode we're going to get into our, because of all the Office I watched, um, our top three Office episodes um, which, in my opinion, is almost impossible to get done a top three, but we're going to do our best here on Two Goalies, One Mike, because we're the best at being mediocre. So, um, Ty, I'm going to let you lead off. Uh, I want you to give me your first um, episode. What is one of your top three? Well, I feel, like, yeah, yeah, I feel like we're going to go three to one, so I'll start with my third. And that is the fun run, which is season four, <laughs> episode one and two. Um, there's just so many huge moments in this episode. It starts with Meredith getting hit by hit by Michael Scott with the car. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, thankfully though, because 
it was discovered she had rabies, although she did break her pelvis. So, you know, Michael Scott goes through everything to start the Michael Scott, Thunder Mifflin, Scranton, Meredith Palmer, Memorial Celebrity, Rabies Awareness Program, <laughs> Fun Run for the Cure, all for Rabies Awareness, um, a disease that's just still absolutely ravaging this country, um, only for people who are bit by crazy animals, and I don't know who that really happens to. <laughs> Besides Meredith, um, but you just have so many, so many things that happen in that episode. Uh, those two episodes, really, because it's a combined one. Um, Michael thinking that the entire office is haunted, and he does the. Uh, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little superstitious line. Um, that's just an all timer right there, and then you. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the actual run itself. You have Andy's nipples bleeding. Half of them, you know, just skip the run, go to the bar, get drunk, hop in a car. Um, Dwight accidentally letting Angela's cat die. There's just so many moments in there. And then this moment is a big one because it goes into my number two before I get to there. Pam sees a little inchworm from Michael. And that'll, you know, that'll come back in another episode oh that I got to bring yeah. up. Oh, my God. I, the, the rabies run, man. That That's just so... You know, when Michael commits to something, like, he commits, man. He, do, he doesn't fuck around. Like, he doesn't... Oh, exactly. He does not... He does not ever fuck around, man. Um, he... <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, um... yeah, he goes... Yeah, he goes all out. He doesn't drink any water and gets himself super dehydrated. Ends up in the hospital next to Meredith and in such a great moment, very just, you know, Michael Scott esque where he's sort of developed this level of at least understanding with employees that he does care about him. Although he can't show actual empathy because he's just so out there all the time and him and Meredith are next to each other in the hospital and they share a lollipop. Like, I don't remember. I hope this isn't one of your episodes. But you remember the episode where Michael felt like he had to go live in the wild <laughs> and like oh, Dwight yes, follows right. him around, and like, yeah, Dwight has to follow him so he doesn't get lost. Yeah, yeah. like Dwight's randomly finding like eggs inside the inside the woods. It just starts eating them. Like, <laughs> oh, that's the thing I love about Dwight. Like, is whenever you need like a weapon or a tool, he just has one, one like randomly either on hand or hidden somewhere in the oh, office. Oh, the one episode he's got like twenty hidden around the office. <laughs> yeah, like just like just like old like medieval weapons and shit. Like Jesus Christ, man. I guess like if. I guess if I wanted to go into like a, uh, um, in, into a dark alley with somebody, most people would like pick somebody big and like scary looking, like The Rock or like not scary looking. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. who you like, you know, Braun Strowman from WWE. I want him, like, dude. I I I'd almost want to pick Dwight because you know he's you know he's definitely got weapons on yeah, him or close by. Somehow. He's straight. He's, he's strapped, strapped somehow, but. I need I need your number three now. Okay, my number three. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the Dundies, the very first Dundies. Ooh. I, I it's that, that shut up chilies. Yeah, my God, man, it's just that that episode, just the awkward com comedy in that, like just the weird, um, the the weird awards that that he gives out, like and just like everybody's awkward response to it. It's just amazing and obviously it's always going to be remembered for the very first jim pam kiss even though she was hammered mm -hmm. when she gave it 
Um, my favorite line was, uh, I mean, I, it's probably everybody's favorite, favorite line for the episode was, um, God, uh, the, the Dundies are like a car wreck. Um, you know, you don't want to ever want like a bad car, like a bad car wreck. You don't want to look away. And that's what the Dundies are. You have to stare at it because your boss is making you. It's like the perfect analogy for what that was. It's like, it's so bad. It's amazing. Like, um, love that episode. And just, again, Michael Scott committing, committing to it. Um, I don't think it was this episode. It might've been a different Dundies where, um, it ended up not being comped from work. So everybody freaked out because they thought it was going to be comp. It was going to be comped from uh, Dunder Mifflin. So like Mike Michael's trying to get make sure nobody orders like a, a lot a lot of money's worth of food because um everybody just assumed it was gonna be comped like as normal. Was that a later Dundee's episode, Ty? Um, I do believe it was. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't the first one. Definitely not the first one. But uh now I need your number two. So my number two is Stress Relief, another two-part episode, season five, episode fourteen and fifteen. And this one is an interesting very interesting because these two episodes were written by none under none other than Toby Flunderson. Toby Not actually Flunderson. Toby, but the person who plays Toby. So this episode, Stress Relief, starts with Dwight starting the fake fire in the office because no one paid attention to his um, fire safety meeting. So he said the only thing to do is an actual practice. And you have Oscar trying to climb up into the ceiling. You have Angela throwing her cat through the ceiling. Uh, you have Jim <laughs> trying to ram the copier through a door. Uh, I forget what it is exactly. Michael Scott throws out through the window. I think it might have been a printer. Throws it through the window and just starts screaming, help. Um, and it just leads to such a perfect episode because then you get into everyone roasting Michael Scott for his birthday. And actually I do have some of the quotes here from a few of the participants there. Um, <clears throat> so Angela said, if you ever wondered whether you were Michael Scott, here's a quiz to help. If you ever put sunblock on the window, you might be Michael Scott. If you ever called the fire department because your head was stuck in your chair, it might be Michael Scott. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly's, Kelly gives a list of people she'd rather make out with than Michael Scott, a turtle, a fridge, anybody from the warehouse, a wood chipper, Kevin, a candle, and Lord Voldemort. Oh, I love the Voldemort like, name drop. The, the Meredith one, absolutely great, though. You ran me over with your car. You posted a picture of my bare boobs on the bulletin board with a caption that said, Gross, Michael, you are the reason I drink. You are the reason I live to forget. But I think Pam absolutely roasts him the most. Once every hour, someone is involved in the internet scam. That man is Michael Scott. He's supporting about 20 Nigerian princesses. Michael is a great delegator. He never does any work himself, ever. And one time, I walked in out of naked, and his thing is so small. If it were an iPod, it would be a shuffle. <laughs> but you know, you absolutely know that <laughs> he couldn't take that thing fully. And actually, I, I even forgot about Stanley's heart attack. So you had to have the CPR training in which Dwight cuts the face off, the CPR mask. Oh, God. Um, 
and you have oh, it's, that's a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> and then you have Michael coming coming back with the boom roasted at the very end. Jim, you're six eleven. You weigh ninety pounds. Gumby has a better body than you. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Meredith, you slept with so many guys. You're starting to look like one. Boom, roasted. Oh my god. <laughs> Angela, where's Angela? Whoa, there you are. I didn't see you behind that grain of rice. Boom, roasted. Stanley, you crush your wife during sex and your heart sucks. Boom, <laughs> roasted. Oscar, you are Oscar, you're gay. Mm, didn't even roast him. Good. Andy, Cornell called. They think you suck and you're gayer than Oscar. Boom, roasted. Just absolutely phenomenal episode. Start to finish. Um,. I mean, yeah, things I didn't mention. Like, you have that CPR, and he's doing the... What song is it he's doing for the uh, compressions? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, Lord. He's just doing the song to the compressions, and then you get all the other stuff that happens when Dwight ends up cutting the face off. Um, And then a super underrated moment from that, besides the uh, memes of Michael sitting in the park, which is a huge meme, him on the uh, swing set, just depressed. But <laughs> during the fire drill, Kevin just starts throwing things at the uh, vending machine and taking as many bags of chips as he can. Yep, I remember that. Super underrated moment. Yep. There's just so yep. many things. Yep. I have so many notes on that episode. Like, I can't even get through them all because there's so many. Oh, God, man. That's such a good... No, it just made this shit just makes me want to watch The Office again, even though I literally just got done watching, like, literally 40 hours of The Office. Um, my second, um, hands down, this really wasn't tough for me is goodbye, Toby. Uh, that episode was amazing from start to finish as you, as you put, uh, your second choice. Um, it literally had everything, man. Um, finally Toby's leaving, which is like, obviously like the back and forth between Michael Scott and Toby through, through the years has been just amazing. Uh, just Michael's absolute disdain for Toby. Um, he's just like, and like, and just Toby just sitting there, just like, dude, what? Come on, man. Like, and then Michael just over the top with it. It just, it's just absolute gold. Goodbye, Toby. Goodbye, Toby. Goodbye, Toby. Goodbye, Toby. But, um, obviously, we're introduced to Holly, and like, honestly, I mean, over the court, over the years, man, like there's always been those that couple that really signi- like signifies what love is for me. Growing up, it was always like Corey and Topanga from Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. But I think this generation, hands down, if two people were to be considered soulmates, you'd have to say it was Holly Flax and Michael Scott because those two were legitimately perfect for each other. And this was where it all began for sure. Um, she they bring her it in, was, and you have you have the moments with Jan there too. Oh, God. but like. You have you have Holly actually thinking that Kevin is it's, it is, challenged. It's like challenged. Oh, you let you can drive through. You let him drive. You, you oh, like... you let him drive. You let him go all the way to the store by himself, and then he sees Jan and she's pregnant, and it's like, oh my god, because Michael finally found a girl he actually likes, and now Jan's pregnant after that whole like abusive relationship. It's just like, oh no, you finally actually like maybe feel kind of bad for Michael Scott in a certain way. Like yeah. it's like an extra little connection you have to that guy who's been over the top the entire time. And yep. you still feel he's such a real human in that moment. Yeah. It like, 
especially said when Kevin when Kevin calls him and to, you know come to the supermarket you need to see this and he realizes Jan is pregnant and you just see like when she breaks the news to him that it's not his it's just like you just see it in his eyes it's like what like you know because you saw the happiness in his eyes and then you just saw the absolute heartbreak like all within like 15 seconds that 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 was definitely well like you said an underrated moment of that show uh obviously not for comedic reasons um but yeah man this that, that episode had literally everything uh dwight and his what was the brother's name um dwight's brother's name why am Mose. i not, what is it Mose. Mose. okay Mo, why did i remember that they're they try to let go because up until this point they all think that michael has this new rivalry with holly uh, unbeknownst to them like he's slowly like falling for her and Dwight tries to most try to let go of a live raccoon in her car as <laughs> like a hazing for the new for the new for the new HR person. That 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 part had me cracking up. Um just obviously the goodbye Toby song at the end. And you find you think you're gonna get this fireworks moment from Jim and Pam because you know they, they Jim teases that he's gonna propose to her, the fireworks, and then all of a sudden Andy comes in and absolutely ruins it. Proposing to Angela, and it's just like the worst proposal manageable. It's like my parents here, blah blah blah, and he's like, "Buttercup, can you get up on stage?" She's like, "No, I won't get up on stage," and like the worst possible yes given. Like that episode was just amazing to me, um, just from start to finish. Like you said, I I love I love every moment of that episode. So, um, and obviously it's it it you know it's the start of something beautiful between Michael Scott and Holly uh, Holly Fax. So uh, we'll go right into you with your number one. What do you got me, Ty? Team me up. Let's hear it. So my number one is Diversity Day. <laughs> yep. The second episode of The Office in America. The first real episode because the pilot copied straight off of the UK version. Um, so this was the first actual written version for America. Um, shout out BJ Novak for that. Um, he came to Brockport and talked a lot about this episode. So that guy has such a deeper sort of respect for it because it really builds on who these characters are going to end up being. You get that totally sort of ignorant Michael Scott to what diversity is, although, you know, he's trying to do what he can for everyone, but he's just so ignorant to it because he's never been a part of all of it. And it just sums up so much of corporate life in such a great way where you have all these little seminars and you have to sign these papers and this and that to stem all these different things. But does it always work? Who knows? Like it is what it is. Um, but when you look at this episode, I, the, the impersonations of Chris Rock from Michael Scott are just, are just absolutely hilarious. Um, him and Dave Chappelle are the two comedians who are, african-american comedians are actually brought up throughout the episode and i think it's a very i think they did that on purpose because this episode is very much meant to be taken the way that the skits and the jokes that chris rock and dave chappelle had where you're looking at things in such an absurd way with diversity where we're trying to bring things together into this 21st century um you have you have to have, you know, because of all these Chris Rock, you know, jokes that Michael Scott had to portray for so long, you have the diversity conference come in and the guy's name is Mr. Brown. 
and you start off michael scott won't even call him mr brown just because he's brown <laughs> and like that that just perfectly sets it all up and mr brown's like oh, all right what do you think is a hero and then dwight goes uh it's <laughs> a hero kills people who that wish to harm him and uh, and mr brown's like okay and dwight's like a hero is part human part supernatural a, hu- a hero is born out of childhood trauma or natural disaster. And Mr. Brown's like, yeah, I think of the superhero. And there's just so many little points throughout this <laughs> where it's just like that. And then you have later on in the episode when they're walking around with all those um, different nationalities on their forehead or ethnicities on their forehead. And everyone has an actual different ethnicity. And you have... Um, Dwight go up to, I believe it was Ham, who was the Jewish one, and was like, hi, uh, Shalom, I would like to apply for a loan. <laughs> like, <he's> just, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd like to apply for a loan. And then you have Kevin, who goes up to Angela, who has a Jamaican one, and Kevin's like, want to go to the beach? And she's like, sure. He goes, want to get high? And she's like, no. He's like, I think you'll do, man. There's just so many little moments throughout all of it. And, like, (laughs) Pam, you know, when she's quipping back at Dwight, she's like, okay, I like your food. And Dwight thinks he's Outback Steakhouse and he's Australian. Uh, mm, No, that's not it. And there's just so many little ones throughout there. Um, and then you have when Michael goes up to Kelly and he starts pretending that like he runs a convenience store. Oh, my God. And she just smacks the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, and he just he literally just screams out. That was great. She gets it. Now she knows what it's like to be a minority. <laughs> Even though she is the minority. And, like, that's sort of the point is, like, it's slapped in the face of these minorities every day of their lives that they are a minority and that they are different. And, and that's why I think this episode does such a good point of that within um, an American workplace where all these people have to face these things on a daily basis and they shouldn't. But it's so absurd that we still have to deal with that, even though, you know, our country is supposed to be the melting pot and we're supposed to all be together yeah. in this. And it just it does such a great job encapsulating American life, especially office life in the, such a diverse world that we're living in right now. And it's from, you know, this was the literal literal second episode of The Office. So it was what, like 2006, somewhere around then. And it still resonates today. What a, what a great way to kick off that that series too. Just in general, and episode two is, you know, you have an episode that's that memorable, and you don't get that with many shows. Usually in the, it's like the first yeah, season, it's the it's, episode that made me fall in love with the yeah, office and it, made it, me actually want to start watching it because I was a little younger when you know it actually debuted, so I was a little bit behind. Um, and then that was one of the episodes I actually did see, and I was like, yep, this is a show I want to see, and it made me want to catch up to it, and, you know, to be able to watch the final seasons, you know, as they happened, and I was so happy I did that, because, you know, once you got to the Niagara Falls and all that, it was so fulfilling, but it's because of these episodes early on, season one through three and four, that really, you know, set the table for the character progression that we had, and, 
for those relationships you really develop with these characters, and that's why The Office is such an amazing show. Oh yeah, man, and like, <clears throat> just I mean, just not, just to go off off the rails here for a second, I mentioned earlier like there isn't a better relationship than Holly and Holly and Michael. Um, another another good example is two people who are meant to be in each other's lives, hands down, definitely Jim and Dwight. Like those two are they they, they like. It was and, like, oh my god, hold yeah. on, that's that's another point I have to make about that episode is, you see early on, uh, Jim's trying to make a big sale, Dwight brings up the paper shredder, starts shredding the paper as loud as possible, <laughs> yep. and you know, Jim makes a real big quip about it, and Dwight takes exception, hangs up his phone, middle sale, and that's where you really see that, you know, they did that sort of disdain early on, Yep. where... You know, as you go along with these people for so long, and you actually start to develop relationships with them. And Jim doesn't hate Dwight; he respects him to a certain degree at some point, even though he's always messing with him. Oh yeah. But that comes, you know, with getting to know a person and being around them for so long, and to be able to develop a relationship like that, you have to have, you know, those ups and downs within it. But they begin to, you know, find that respect for each other throughout it but it does not happen early. It's a very uh, drastic difference from, you know, episode two to the very end of, of the office as it is. Oh, for sure, man. Just that, uh, um, that relationship, man, is just, it may, it helped make the show what it was. I mean, it, it really did, man. And, um, just so many memorable moments, memorable pranks, uh, the one, ho- remember the one hotel one where Jim was just up all night because he's on, he's on a new uh, sleeping schedule because of the kid, and he just he has that bag full of money with 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 stuff written on the wall of blood, and then like oh uh, Dwight charges like oh looks like Jim got mixed up with some bad apples, then Jim just falls out onto the floor like he's dead. And oh yeah, like oh my right god, one of my favorites. One of my, I died. I pissed myself. That was amazing. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so many, but like you can't do those sort of things with people who you don't actually trust. Like, yeah, and that's oh, where yeah. you see, you know, they develop that throughout it where it's, you know, sort of good natured as, you know, serious as it really does get oh, between for them. Sure, for sure. Like, I mean, we all have a friend, hopefully we all have a friend that you could, you know, you can, you can fuck with like that and they won't want to kill you afterwards. But, um, one, one epic line though, um, from that episode diversity day was, and this really has me has me reeling right now. Uh, from from Michael Scott, Abraham Lincoln once said, "If you are a racist, I will attack you with the North." <laughs> it's like just like it's like the Gretzky. It's like the Gretzky quote: "You, you miss every shot you don't take, or whatever." And he sub he like pretty much subtweets it. Blaine Gretzky slash Michael Scott, like just like a random quote from, from Michael. It's just amazing. I love it. Um, oh yeah, it's like a it's like a perfect quote for exactly different situation from what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, I'm going to um, give everybody my number one. It is hands down, without a doubt, Dinner Party. That episode had me laughing, like nearly pissing myself near the end. Um, I got to imagine, I mean, I'm not sure it's if everybody's in top three or top, even top five, but there's just so much about that episode that just was amazing. You get... Um, one of my favorite my favorite scenes is you know when uh, how how Michael tricks Jim into admitting he has nothing going on that night so he'll come to the dinner party and so like Jim and Pam have no choice they have to show up 
And then Jim, they walk through the door. It's like, oh, so what have you been up to all day? It's like, oh, since I left work at four o'clock and now I'm here, uh, getting ready to come here. <laughs> um, and just yeah, like the like, awkward, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, like the awkward moments throughout the night, and then just like, <laughs> just like the the obvious affair that Jan must have had with her assistant Hunter, and just how she sensually dances to the CD that absolutely is terrible. Just like, what was I, I really? Remember the song oh, I still I still don't think they had an affair because I think Hunter is extremely um, not into females i i mean probably not i don't know but just like the way I mean, jan have a boyfriend in it i i don't i can't remember i just the way jan acted whenever like that cd played and she just got so centrally into it she, yeah it was she just was so, so weird it. it's just i think <laughs> i just i don't know how i feel about hunter i don't know i don't know yeah and, and the second time she turns the CD on when things get weird during dinner and Michael's just sitting there, she's like, she loves this, this CD. But you know, my opinion is, I think it's not really that good. It, he kind of sucks. It's just them just like throwing softball insults back and forth at each other. And then like earlier in the episode, uh, Michael's like, she let me get this brand new $300 plasma screen TV and you look at it. It's on its own swivel on the wall mount for some reason. It's like literally the size of a computer screen. Like it's the size of, of my, uh, my MacBook in front of me right now. It's just, it's hilarious. And then it ends with her fucking throwing one of his Dundees at it. Full speed destroys the thing. And Michael just absolutely loses his mind. Uh, the candles by Jan, by uh, by Jan stuff. Just like I love every every moment of that. Oh, episode. the candles! Oh my lord! Oh, oh yeah, I, I support everything she does. <laughs> the ten thousand dollars. You want to make a ten thousand dollar investment into Jan's candles? Just, oh my god! Just <laughs> that episode is absolutely amazing. Like obviously, like. I, I, I don't remember, like, uh, all the details as well as you do, but just, like, the certain moments of that episode, man, it just had me reeling, man. Um, obviously, I was an oh, avid... no, no. Uh, this, you're missing one of the biggest, biggest parts of it is Dwight going, Michael, what time should I be arriving? It's like, uh, it's couples only. And he, show, oh, so he shows up with his old babysitter. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He and brings then... the old lady that he, like, paid to be there with yeah. him. And then, and then when he drives Michael home and Michael's like got his head out the window, like he's finally a free man. He comes to the stop sign and she's sitting at the bus stop. Do I could easily give a woman that he forced to come with her a ride home. He doesn't even look at her and just hangs her right and drives away. Like, fuck man. Oh God. That was awesome. Oh God. Fuck. What was the episode that, uh, Michael, um, was it his birthday episode where he checks, uh, Toby into the boards? Oh, I think it is when they're the playing uh, when they're nice. Yeah, the birthday episode. He, he, he I think he, so. Yeah. He late. He he late. Uh, yeah, that that was. Um, everybody was waiting to hear the results of the 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 skin cancer test from uh, Kevin. Was it Kevin? Yeah, I think it was Kevin. Mm-hmm. And everybody's worried about that, and Michael's all indignant because it's all all about supposed to be about his birthday. <laughs> it's a fucking amazing episode. Just another one, man. I love that. <laughs> and, I love that Jeff too. Yeah, and you get Jim and Pam trying to get out of there with like their apartment being flooded, and Michael's yep. like, "You don't need both of you to be there." Oh yeah, yeah, the, the dinner party episode. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we don't need both need to be there. So, like, so so they just stay, even though the like the lie about the apartment flooding, like, it's like okay, I guess we're just gonna stay here and allow my apartment to be flooded. <laughs> <laughs> 
But man, I, I I could talk about the office literally all night or SVU all night, but we got some other stuff to touch on, man. Um, obviously, you know, sometimes we struggle for content, um, with what's going on. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely a struggle bus right now. Like you said earlier, you're going through simulated matting games, um, betting on those, um, trying to get your fill from sports, you know, through the Sabres classics, but, uh, a, a good piece of content was definitely dropped today by John Vogel from the athletic man. we know you got to read it. I got to read it. And it, you know, I remember sending this, that, that I sent that link to you guys earlier in the group text and I was fucking fired up because that really touches on a lot of stuff that hits close to home for me and a lot of Sabres fans. Um, obviously I am a big critic now more than ever of, uh, the organization, the Pagula family, um, you know, the way they've been treating their employees, um, just not doing right by the people who've been loyal to them, not just the fans, but the people who work for them. And then we have a guy of the likes of Larry Quinn going on record finally and just kind of showing his disdain for all of it. I mean, he didn't he didn't touch on everything, but and I and I guess two days ago I was very critical of the firing of uh, Bandura and Sinclair because both guys have been absolute staples uh-huh. within the organization, and um, I don't believe are the reason why this organization is in the state it is in right now. I know Sinclair mostly dealt with. Um, uh, single game season, uh, single game tickets. I don't think he was really in charge of setting season ticket prices, or maybe he was. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 familiar. But the guy has been with. He he's one of the only guys. He's actually might be the only guy with the organization that was there for all four ownership groups, um, between um, the Knox, Regis, um, Galasano, and now Pagula. Which I mean, you can't you can't find better loyalty than that. Staying with a co- company through four ownership groups. Um, and then Band- Chris Bandura, um, who mostly dealt with the national media. Even Greg Wyshynski of ESPN said that he was really disappointed to hear of his, you know, of his him being laid off. Not even just furled, laid off. Um, I thought that was. Just, I think this entirely is just a terrible, terrible, terrible look for the organization, and just another black eye, man. It's just you know, in a year where I mean, there isn't even any hockey right now to talk about, and you you think that right now would be a good time for the Pagoulas to try and just kind of lay low and let everything kind of die off what this year has been. And they just fucking find ways, man, to just keep themselves in a, in the in the spotlight in a very negative way. Um, I know the Jacobs family over in Boston aren't doing much better, but honestly, I think the Pagoulas, uh, Terry and Kim, they're, they're by and far the worst right now. And I don't know how you feel about that, Ty, but um, what Larry Quinn uh, said in that interview with uh, Vogel was uh, very. It brought a lot, a, a lot of light to a lot of things. Um, you know, I don't know how. How do you? How do you I mean? How do you feel about it, man? I, 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 I was kind of blown away. Yeah, I think it, it's more of the um, people they actually let go of that was more flooring than anything. Because uh, from conversations I've had with people around the organization and a few other actual, you know, reporters. Um, That's right. You got the inside kids. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't seem like it was these people who were sort of the ones who have, you know, been dealing with the failings that have been happening uh, with the team. It seems like maybe they're scapegoating them or this or that. Scapegoats Uh, are perfect. There are, yeah, there are some people 
you know, within this organization, you know, higher up who have been here for a long time, who haven't necessarily contributed as much as the people who were let go um, and furloughed and actually, you know, like some of these people were actually legitimately completely fired. Um, And that's why when you see Larry Quinn speak out the way he did, it sort of hits, you know, it strikes, you know, a little extra in your mind, whereas he knows who is performing well in their duties and doing a good job because he was overseeing all these people before. If he has that trust in them and for him to, you know, speak out the way he is now after he hadn't for so long when this team seemed to have been, you know, mismanaged a little bit, you know, here and there, um, it, I think that goes to, to say a lot about what's really happening down there. Um, you have Kim taking over as president, and there are, yeah, and there are things that need to be changed down there. That's, you know, that's not, you know, anything that a, any fan or anyone around the organization, you know, doesn't know. Uh, but it's it's more of the people who aren't, who haven't, you know, lived up to what they're supposed to be doing. Yes, ticket sales are down, but is that their fault? No. Uh, ticket sales are down because the product in the ice sucks and we're not getting a better game presentation and these other things that has nothing to do with, you know, the actual ticket sales department. I'm sure they're doing a great job. You deal with them much, you know, more often than I do or Tristan. And um, I've never really seen you guys complain too much, at least about your actual, you know, ticket sales people um, from everything, you know, I've heard they've been great and you can only, play with the cards you're dealt and if they're being dealt a bad hand and now they're being let go that's just it kind of sucks and hands are tied there yeah exactly there's moves that need to be made within this organization but those don't necessarily feel like the right moves that needed to be made um and it just comes at an absolute the absolute worst time you could be doing those because that's going to adversely affect a lot of people's lives. And I've, I've been very vocal about it, man. I really, I really do feel the collapse of this organization first started when they annihilated uh, Pat LaFontaine and then fired Ted Black because you had two very, you had a hockey guy in charge of hockey things in Pat LaFontaine who had previous experience working, I, I believe both with the Islanders and with the NHL yep. directly. Uh-huh. And then you had Ted Black, who had a lot of success in Pittsburgh, and was very hands-on with the fans. I've been again very vocal about it. I've spoken directly to Ted Black, um, just about how proud he was of things like the baby blanket program. I, I, I like when this all went down, man. I had so many people send me different stories about Ted Black and how directly hands-on he was with the fans, exactly. and how good of a guy he was, and the bringing Russ fucking Brandon to replace him for what reason, honestly, to begin with. Um, and then you say, well, Russ has done such a good job with the bills. Now we're going to give him this responsibility of the Sabres. Hold the fucking phone. You're going to give a guy who has one playoff berth in how many years with the Buffalo bills. And you're well, going to give it, him. Well, the... It all, it all just stemmed because he was able to still sell yeah. tickets for the bills. Well, he, sells he was hope. able to get people still hope. there. And yeah, and be able to sell false hope to everyone. Yeah. Is, yeah, literally what it comes down to. But I, I agree with you on that point. Um, you're bringing in people who aren't necessarily 
specifically qualified for their positions and you're hoping that they're going to succeed in them. And you have people who, you know, have proven track records of success within, you know, hockey and other things where you could have brought them in or, you know, given them a little bit of more resources and they could have succeeded much better in a small market where we're trying to expand with everything with the Harbor Center and everything else. There's so much to offer here that if you don't, you know, just give the people the proper resources to succeed, then no one's going to be able to succeed because it should be very easy here in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Like I said, we're a sports town with a drinking problem, you know what I mean? Or, or drinking, or drinking, or now it's a drinking city with a sports problem. Um, it's, it, it, you know, and talk about people who aren't experienced for their positions. To give Russ Brandon the added responsibility of the Sabres on top of the Bills, it, it was just mind-blowing to me thinking back on it now. Because, I mean, how do you expect somebody to really have a year-round position now already with the Bills and you're adding the Sabres on top of that? And then he gets fired for, I, from what I understand, inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Whatever that mm-hmm. may be. No, I, I know what it was. Oh, do, I mean, should we talk about it? I don't know if we should talk about it, but, you know. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, pretty um, much not, no. I'll um, keep that privy. Yeah, but we all we all know what it I was think, pretty uh, much. I know a lot of people know, but I just, because the person might still be around. So yeah, yeah no, 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 no. I, I, I wasn't expecting you to, um, but we both know um, what it was, the inappropriate behavior. Um, and then you don't hire, I mean, you have that collapse in front of you. And then your answer to that is to have just Kim Pagula run the show. Like the woman who, who literally has no experience running not just a sports organization, but a hockey organization. It, it just, it, it, it makes no sense to me. It, she, ma- it, it really, it really didn't bother me all that much that she was going to take it temporarily. I figured, you know, they would sort of look to find a long find somebody, solution yeah. for that. Um, at least, you know, underneath her then to be in charge of all of hockey operations while she's just sort of overlooking to make sure all that's, you know, flowing well. Um, I thought that was sort of the route that they would end up following. They haven't necessarily done that completely yet. She's given Jason Batchel a lot of faith, it seems, not bringing anyone over his head. Um, but, yeah, it if you want to be the president in that role, you're going to need to put in a lot more time than it seems um, they have like you need to be there basically on a day-to-day basis you need to be seeing what your employees are doing uh, you need to make sure that they're on you know top practices you're giving them you know the things they need to succeed in their roles and it it just feels like that's not happening like you look at you know let's just say for example the game day product not just on the ice um, off the ice uh, the floss cam is like four years old oh and hasn't God. gotten any better. DJ's and that's know. the best thing. That's the best thing you can do. And, and like, I feel bad. Like, that's not just DJ Milk. This is what DJ Milk's being told to do because yeah, the floss cam is sponsored. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I'm saying is you have to put people in the right positions to succeed. And they're not putting my man DJ Milk in the right position to succeed. So think about the rest of the guys, whether it's you know, on the ice, off the ice, whether it's selling tickets, whether it's uh, social media promotions, although we have so many failings throughout, you just got to be able to hold these people accountable. But when you're a president and you're not there every day, you're not, you know, on top of everything, uh, you don't have someone overseeing everything day to day. Like, you have to have someone who is 
it, it sucks sometimes to have someone, you know, who's a little bit over the top and nitpicky, but that's what you need when you are trying to get to that top level. Like, you think about the Patriots, and that's Bill Belichick. He needs everything to be a perfect way, a specific way. And when you get everyone on that same page doing everything in that same specific way, that's where you find success. When all these people don't have that common direction, you're just all over the place and we're exactly where we are, where we're retreading over year and year again and still missing the playoffs. Same players, same, uh, um, you know, game day production, same Same everything. It's just nothing is getting better because you're not pushing them to succeed in higher roles. You're not hiring from outside. You're promoting from within. You're not giving people who want, you know, these jobs, who want to push our product higher, these roles. And it's it's very self-evident. You know, and you, you, you teed me up for that perfectly, too. Um, you know, we, they've used the same formula for how long now? Um, and it's, it's, it's very it, – it's, it's – it's very easy to see. Um, like they, re- they, they it, literally recycled um, this year when they did, was it the 90s or 2000s night? They recycled the old um, video they made of, you know, like the 2000s NHL like No video. effort. <laughs> there was they no effort. It. It. It's the same exact thing. And, literally uh, recycled it. Yeah. And it's like, guys, we know you can do better. You have a full devoted video staff. You pay them on an annual wage. Why not make them try to push the boundaries and continue to do things? Because most of these people who are going to see this have been season ticket holders for the last five to ten seasons, and that's a good forty percent of your base, right? Or at least a good forty to seventy percent of your base are going to be seeing that same video that they already saw. Yeah, and that's, we're not. We're, that's just stupid. We're a devoted hockey base. We're going to watch regardless of they're winning or losing. So we've all seen it. But you, you teed me up for a great point. Is um, maybe not everybody knows, but the both Terry and Kim, they don't live here year round. They have a house down in Florida. They live six months out of the year. So how to me, this is what's again, very disturbing to me is how are you expected to run a hockey franchise for half the year from Florida and you have nobody here to run it below you? It's just it, what it pretty much goes from GM to you. So how, like, I, I, that's what I don't understand. How is a woman who has no experience yeah. in this expected to run day-to-day operations of the team for six months out of the year on the opposite side of the country? Yeah, and I don't know how many, um, like, arenas, other sporting events and stuff you've been to, you know, sort of outside of I've been Buffalo to a few. lately. But when you go to these places, you see they have, you know, their staple foods and things aren't crazily overpriced and they're able to, you know, integrate local places to, you know, within, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, their offerings for food and alcohol and everything else. Um, I went to a game, you know, maybe three, four years ago at the Pepsi Center out in Colorado and it was an absolutely amazing experience. You you know, you'd have different bars and this and stuff all over the arena so you can get mixed drinks, but you have so many local beer offerings it's not just your 13 14 dollar uh labats or buds or whatever like you're able to get cheaper local offerings like there's just so many little things you could be doing um i think to bring the community even more involved into the sabers product and you're doing a bad job of that just you know you have 
whatever it is, the Lenovo pizza. It's not even their actual pizza. It's terrible in the arena. Um, it, you have the maybe like beef on rack or whatever else, and it's it's not that good. Like everything is very overpriced. Um, and you're even cutting the percentage that season ticket holders get off of that, which is only like 75 cents to begin with. It's just, it's just very facetious. I think on their end, when you're putting on a bad product and you're not able to do these other things to integrate the community properly, where other teams have done that. And even through, you know, tougher times, you know, because teams normally within the NHL bounce back and forth. So you are able to do these little things here and there for your game presentation or uh, your merchandising or your concessions, uh, your kids clubs, even like all these little things um, intermittently throughout that to that you're keeping the general interest up at all times. And the Sabres are absolutely losing that right now. And it's, it's tough. It, it is, man. And like I said, um, I think one of the keys to success is definitely, you know, you have to be communicating. I, I may say on a daily basis, but I think you have to be directly there to get things done, especially if you're in charge of the whole kit and caboodle. And if you're not there, I mean, how are you supposed to delegate responsibility? How are you supposed to make sure things are getting done? Another small example outside of what's already been so blatantly obvious is just that whole Tim Hortons hockey card thing where you have misprints on the hockey cards. Who whose job yeah, is it to improve improve is so that like there's there's absolutely no chance in my mind that the proofs weren't at least approved by one person within the organization. Whether they ended up getting fucked up after that, I highly doubt that because the those exact proofs would have been exactly what exactly. Was um so someone saw the proofs and was just like yep that's fine like whatever let it go laziness like laziness yeah it's just it's these tiny little details that make you a championship franchise uh it makes you hockey heaven or it makes you hockey hell we're mediocre and we know we're closer to one rather than the other right now and it's very unfortunate it, it is, man. And honestly, just to read some direct quotes just from the uh, athletic article itself, um, you know, this is coming directly from Larry Quinn. As you've noticed, I have not made a single comment about the Sabres since we left. I have practiced that religiously. Quinn told the athletic by phone on Friday. But this is, I don't, just don't understand. It's just wrong. You know, as we mentioned earlier, PSE fired 21 employees and furlonged 104 others Tuesday. And among those terminated were John Sinclair, uh, who's vice v, uh, VP of tickets and service, and Chris Bander, the VP of communications, and then also Jennifer Van uh, Rizdem, uh VP of live events. And I mean, I'll give her a lot of credit, man, because she's definitely brought a lot of great concerts, especially the newer field since they started opening. Oh yes, the, the, between they've you been, two, that's one thing that they've actually done a great job. Between, oh, for sure. Um, between the arena and the stadium, they've been getting a lot of great concerts. Um, you've had, you know, all sorts of genres, whether it's country, uh, rock, hip hop, you've had all of the top yep. people at least coming through at one point. And you know, um, I've, I have attended a few at the, uh, the stadium. I saw, um, the reunion tour with Guns N' Roses, an amazing show. Um, and then 
obviously I, I once I mentioned before I saw you too. And I was honestly, I mean, from me to the stage where Bono was like right in front of me with maybe honestly 10 to 15 feet. And I only paid 70 bucks, which was, in, it's just insane to me. Same tickets for guns and roses were for $300. Um, but you know, she's done an, an unbelievable job. Um, just to continue on with that. Um, you know, let me see here. Uh, if I hear another direct quote from Quinn, if I had to name all the people that worked for us, the three I admired most would be those three, said Quinn, who was part of Tom Galasano's ownership group from 2003 to 2011. That was also Quinn's second stint uh, with the Sabres. Uh, the termination of Sinclair hurt Quinn the most. The head of tickets has been with the Sabres since 1988 which he is the few, one of the few, as I mentioned earlier, a few employees to be with all four ownership groups. Quinn worked alongside him uh, when Quinn was president of the Sabres in the 1990s and again when Quinn helped Galasano purchase the team. Another direct quote from Quinn, the way they've been treated, you don't take a 32-year-old employee, say goodbye, and give him two weeks of health insurance, not in the middle of a pandemic, Quinn said. You just don't do that. I don't get it. There's something wrong. I don't know what it is. I know there's challenges in the business, and I understand that people from time to time have to make economic choices, but you treat the people well that have worked for you for a long time. If you've got to part ways, uh, if you've got to part ways, I just don't get it. Um, and like we said, man, this is like there's, there's people that you could point the finger at for what's wrong with this organization. I'll point my finger where, where it belongs at ownership. Um, especially Kim Pagula. Um, but those three firings weren't necessary. I mean, you, you should stay loyal to the people that have always been loyal to you. And I mean, you have over 50 years of employment getting fired all on Tuesday, which again is to me is disgusting. And there, there had to have been another way to do it. I know they said that there were, these were changes that they planned on making. And I, I, per, I personally think this is just bullshit. Um, they, they planned on making these, these, releases earlier in the season but because of the pandemic and you know COVID-19 they had to fast track it um I don't buy that for a second um I don't I I think this is all comes down to money um and you know they're 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 probably of other they're 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 had to have other ways they could right I've never owned a business let alone a sports franchise let alone two sports franchises but there had to have been another way to avoid letting go people like them and I just don't get it um and uh, it's just another black eye onto a season that, you know, where honestly we continuously get knocked out in the first round. You know, but, I mean, anybody who wants to criticize me on social media for my constant complaining or whining about the ownership and the Sabres, honestly, you want you want a perfect reason. You want you, you want to know why I'm just so fed up with the way this year has gone. All you have to do is just just do a quick, a quick Google search. Just type in Vancouver Canuck 50th year anniversary, and that's all you have to read. That's all you have to watch because they did right, not just by by the team, but the fans. Um, they beat us in every way, shape, and form. They could have beat us. They embarrassed. They wiped the fucking floor with us. Um, they made us look like a house league team um, with how, how well they did compared to what we did. Um, and, again, I don't need to get into a rant 2.0 with – 90s night knockoff jerseys everything they fuck they fucked up this year but ty and you know exactly what i'm talking about man it's it's the reason why me and you and train wreck came together um it's it, it's mind-blowing how bad this year is and when you feel like you could possibly um 
get away from it all with this pandemic. It's almost like a blessing in disguise for the Pagulas. They find ways to keep themselves in the news in a negative way. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. There's uh, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, it's, um, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, you can't really sugarcoat it in any other way. And we just got to hope that, you know, throughout the rest of this, that things can get back to better. They can hopefully put the right people in the right places. And um, that's all you can really hope for at this point because there's no really getting through to them because they're obviously very toned up to what uh, fans want, what fans think, what other professionals in the industry think, and they're going to do their own thing, um, which is what most billionaires end up doing. And um, that's why it's very weird so many people are on the side of big business at this time um when we see so many large companies not fully looking out for the people when um they're the ones who need it the most not you know not the executives it's not the presidents of these companies it's the people who put in you know 20 30 40 years at these places and invested their entire lives um and are just you know having to deal with the consequences of things that they never saw coming no it's you know uh, to be blindsided by something like this when you've like literally and there was a part of the art- article where Sinclair would work seven day weeks you know just put all his heart and effort into this for the last you know since 1988 and this is how you get repaid here you know here's your release here's two weeks health insurance and see you later you know and I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere else and he'll find a job quick when this is all over with you know his track record speaks enough for itself same thing with Bandura um you know, again, Bandura was recognized as one of the best at his position across the league. Um, you could definitely see that on Twitter the day it all happened. You know, everybody, you know, their heartfelt messages to Bandura and Sinclair. Um, it's it, it again. It's very, very, um, it, it's very, very disappointing. Um, but to uh, end that, um, another thing too is our uh, buddy uh, from the AP. John Waro, you know, started a little Twitter war yesterday with this whole Johnny Three Dubs, baby. Yeah, man, and I know you guys got some history with him. Um, the whole Hashik debate and how he doesn't believe Hashik, he doesn't believe Hashik was clutch, and the fucking I'm sorry, he the pigeon fucking compared him to Grant Fuhr of all people. Grant Fuhr was a great goalie. Grant Fuhr was a Hall of Fame goalie. But I'm sorry, making the fucking comparison between Grant Fuhr and Dominic Hasek in the terms of clutch is absolutely ridiculous. Grant Fuhr held a goals against average of around three or three and over, and subpar nine uh, below uh, .900 save percentage. Whereas Dominic Hasek, playing against some of the very best this game ever had to offer in the mid to late '90s, um, was always consistently around a .925 to .930 goal uh, save percentage and damn near below a two uh, a, a two point uh, goals against the average. It just blows my mind that this fucking idiot would abs- like make that type of a comparison. Like and- Dominic Hasek had the five best seasons of that entire decade. Yeah, like he owned that decade. You can't find not it was even like- one player not and, even one player you know, came close. You know, when teams so, came teams came to Buffalo, they weren't afraid to thing, play. There's one thing I got to say about my man, Johnny Three Dubs. He loves to talk about games he's never seen. Um, <laughs> that's where it really all stems to, stems to with Trainwreck Sports. He started uh, trying to talk about a UB basketball game that he didn't even watch. Um, 
Johnny Three Dubs, I got to give him a lot of shout out because he does do a good job covering all the teams. Being an AP guy, you have to be, you know, spread all over. You're spread a little bit of thin. Um, so, you know, you, you obviously aren't getting a great picture of everything that's going on in sports. Um, I feel like I spread myself pretty thin because I end up watching games uh, from UC Irvine and all that, but I still feel like I have a, a great knowledge of what's going on in Buffalo sports. So, I don't know, maybe he should uh, spend a little bit more time on ESPN Plus late at night watching some sports rather than uh, sipping on the whiskey or scotch or whatever he's doing and tweeting at 2 a.m. Yeah, man, it's uh, – I, I, I don't understand it, man. I mean, again, I get it. Grant Fuhrer maybe had some clutch games, but he also had the likes of Yari Curry, Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky, Paul Coffey in front of him. Who the fuck did Dominic Hasek have in the mid-90s? After, after Grant Fuhrer left – guess what happened the Oilers still made the playoffs yeah they, happened exactly the two years after uh Hasek left the team literally shit the bed yeah. didn't make the playoffs were you know terrible seasons for the yeah it, it, it is mind-blowing like I said six out of eight years doesn't make sense you can look at any of the numbers um he just said if the game's five four he won't let in the fifth goal <laughs> cool dude awesome but maybe well, gresky will score six dominic hasek, dominic hasek wouldn't have even let in the third goal if no. you look at it statistically there buddy if you if you so, if, good if, try if you look at the numbers uh through hasek's years with the sabers i love it buddy i love that you got the beer burps over there um, um it's uh well i just had to take a quick shot with my brother uh, I love it. It did just it did just turn after midnight. It's his brother, so we had to take a quick or his birthday, so I had to take a quick shot with him. Love it. I love it. You know, we're we're, we're I muted it, so you guys you didn't even notice. See, that's that's the best thing with the uh, muting features nowadays. You know, I can take a shot real quick, uh, and we can keep rolling. Yeah, exactly, buddy. Happy birthday to your brother. Um, but one of the things, um, again, again with with. With fuck man, I lost my train of thought. I got excited for you. You take three dubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, six out of eight years, man. He he owned that trophy, the Vesna. He's the only goalie to ever win back to back heart trophies. And you're gonna sit there and criticize the guy for not being clutch. Well, I don't know if you were fucking on a fucking a month long bender, Johnny Three Dubs. But you remember in 1998, Nagano Olympics. Arguably the greatest team Canada's ever put on the ice. A big shootout, five-player shootout. A five-player shootout where Gretzky didn't even shoot. That's how talented that team was. I mean, granted, Gretzky, you know, was near the nearing the end of his career. But Dominic Hasek single-handedly got them to the gold medal game and won them a gold medal and had outrageous numbers against legitimately the most talented players in the world. Are you going to sit here and tell me this guy can't win the big win in the big moments? The guy fucking stopped all five Canadian shooters in a game, not even in the gold medal game, the game to get to the gold medal. It, it just, like, the ignorance is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing to me. And it was a very underdog Czech team. You know, you know one of the better defensemen on the team was Richard Schmelick, for God's sakes. Um, I just, I don't understand the argument. I don't know if it was meant to troll or just to get under, you know, cause again, the, the, the hill I'll die on with the rest of Sabres Twitter or most of Sabres Twitter is that Dominic Hasek was the greatest of all time. And if you would have given him more than Miro Shatan in 99, a guy who absolutely disappeared in the playoffs that year, um, the Sabres have at least one Stanley cup. That was their oh, biggest, sure. uh, and people will say 05-06 was their best chance at winning a cup. No, if you would have built around the greatest goalie that ever lived more, 
you would have won a Stanley Cup, especially the year he left uh, in the loss against Pittsburgh um, when you refused to pay. I believe that was the year that they refused to pay Michael Pekka. The Selkie yep. winning the centerman, your shutdown centerman, that's how bad it was that you weren't even willing to pay a guy like Michael Pekka. Like, it, it, it's mind-blowing to me, man, to even make those arguments. And uh, pe- some people don't realize Hashik didn't even come into the league and was in a consistent starter until he was 26 years old. Um, it, which yeah, you look Chicago at, didn't want him. We had a trade for him. Yeah, and he was he was MV, the, the most valuable goaltender in all of Europe for how many years before the guy didn't even know he was drafted. Like it was extremely tough to get players over from Russia and the Czech and, and back then it was Czechoslovakia um, to even get them over here. You know the the obviously everyone knows the Mogilny defection story and how wild that was. Um, to even get these guys over here to play in the NHL. It was. It wasn't like it was just buy a plane ticket and come here. It wasn't that easy. Um, whereas you have Martin Broder and Patrick Waugh starting when they're 18, 19 years old. Hashington didn't even get his first chance when he got the Buffalo. And when he got the Buffalo, Grant Fear was the guy he had to play behind. And then he finally got his chance, and he never looked back. And he fucking owned the league. And when you came to Buffalo, you weren't afraid to play the Sabers. You were afraid to. You were afraid to play against Dominic Hashik because you knew that guy was going to shut you down. And if this team could score two goals. There was a good chance you were winning. There was a good chance you were winning. All you had to do was score twice. And if you look at the a lot of his losses during those times, how many of those goals were the games were like maybe one nothing, two one games, like very very low scoring games. Hashik didn't get didn't didn't get like ripped apart, you know, in those years. You know, he didn't. You, you don't see a ton of those high scoring games. He lost a lot of low scoring games, a lot of one nothing, two one three two games. You know, he as long as you were able to score two goals most nights. You were probably coming out with a win or if not a tie. And at 42 years old, he was still holding a, 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 a near below, uh, it was like 2.11 goals against average with Ottawa and Detroit. It's mind-blowing. People like Ryan Miller, who hasn't start, been a starter in years, can't even hold those numbers. And he's the second best goalie the organization's ever seen. Oh, Exactly. Like, yeah. I saw someone trying to say Ryan Miller was the best goalie. Oh, I know exactly. Was it an ominous guy or whatever? And I was just like, dude, yeah. it's just, it's I know not exactly even who close. You're about. It's like, yes, Ryan Miller was the best goalie in the world for like a year or two. Yeah. Dominic Kasich was the best goalie in the world for like five to seven, eight years. Yeah. Like, without a question. <laughs> and honestly, he probably should have won three heart awards. Three heart awards in a row, three heart award, three heart trophies, three years in a row, because in '99, um, I think believe it went to Yager, and Yager had an unreal year. Yeah, but Hashik, like, think I think that might have been his best year. Um, I know it goes to regular season too, but that playoff dude again, uh, up until we when we lost to Dallas, he dude he had a, a 1.77 goals against average. That is fucking insane, insane. And mind you, when it matters the most, too. Yeah, and and you know, like you're gonna tell me he's not clutch. Uh, th- th- I know who you're talking about too. That guy, he said because Hashik didn't win it in '99, that's why he's not the best. Fuck, man, Ryan Miller hasn't even been to the finals. You're gonna, so you're gonna put him on the Mount Rushmore of the Sabers over Hashik, and Miller's not hasn't even been to the finals. And uh, I mean Miller, I mean I love Ryan Miller, man. I have I have two of his jerseys, but he got the nickname Mister Softy for a reason because he used to let in soft goals in bad times. It's true. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but um, I uh, I just, I just, I, I that's the, that's the hell I'll die at, man. You know, 
Johnny Three Dubs, you're wrong. I mean, I, I appreciate the interview you gave me back when, uh, right after the rant. You're, he's a really nice guy. But right now, man, me and him, we're not we're not on speaking terms. We never were on speaker terms. We're not on speaking terms because um, I can't I cannot agree with that at all, man. And you're not gonna find a bigger Dominic Kashuk fan than me. You just look around my dining room right now where we record our uh, record most of our episodes, and you know, best believe it, dude. Like there isn't a much bigger Dominic Kashuk fan than me, and I will die on that hill along with many other people. So, um. But, you know, Ty... Where's, um, yeah, where's Dominic the dog? Dominic, yeah, he, he's actually at my neighbor's house right now. Uh, you know, <clears throat> with it snowing Having outside, I didn't want to leave him outside for too long. And um, he's in real pent-up, man, because, you know, with having to be in the house, I can't really take him to any dog parks right now. I got to get him fixed, because but there's not really many places to take him to get fixed right now. So Yeah, most of most vets are closed, yeah. Yeah, it sucks, man. I hate having him in the house, so I got him next door playing with my neighbor's dog right now. Hopefully so, he's not doing too much humping. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, we're both pretty fucking stir crazy, man. Um, but <coughs> Dom the dog, um, he is the second best Dom, uh, Dom in Buffalo right now, and I'll I'll die on that hill too. So, but um, I mean, coming up, um, I know we're gonna take a short break here, but um, I, I'd like for you to be a part of this tie too if you want to stick around. Um, I know we have a interview coming up with Kurt from Shelter It, um, you know, a sister company of Better Biscuit. I know uh, they're doing a lot of great things to help with the COVID-19 effort to help people get supplies out um, at a very low cost, very low margin um, to people who need it, people, uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, anybody who works in a hospital, or anybody who needs it, honestly. And I know that these things are in very scarce supply right now. And then... <laughs> Um, uh, that, shout that's, out, yeah, you, shout out, guys, shout out, me, shout like out all me. my friends, yeah, all you guys going viral. Yeah, how many of you guys I've, have gone viral? I've see, gone viral. See, it's some real, it's some real bullshit because I should have gone viral because I was the person who got that uh, Rasmus Stalin hit um, up close from development camp. That was you. Yeah, everyone ripped it down. That. that was before everyone gave credit. <laughs> Well, you know, that's... that was that was before Spitting Chicklets and Barstool got in trouble for not giving credit. Oh, really? Oh, shit. I, uh, yeah, it did over a couple million views on a couple of different pages, but you know, it well, is what I, it is. we're giving you, know, you credit your boy's here. Still out here grinding. We're giving you here credit at Two Goalies One Mike, man. And you know, you're obviously a member of the member of the Two Goalies One Mike family. We're getting ready to do a lot of great things uh, with Trainwreck. Um, very grateful. Uh, me and Ty have gone back and forth with a lot of the things we've planned, things that are coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. You guys are gonna be. I mean, if you want to get into that tie right now for a well, minute, you you, you want to. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be dropping new crossing swords episode. We're finally finally gonna get in talk talk about you know the Sabers jersey selections that we put out. Um, a few other things, you know, with the funnel guys, you know, what's going on with everyone. What we're all, you know, looking forward to going on right now and. Um, you know, just what's, what's, you know, potentially going on with the league and especially the Sabres. We're just going to shoot the shit. Same thing we're doing here. And, you know, we're going to get things back rolling, getting some content going, hopefully some video content, um, a lot of stuff going forward. Um, you know, you know, streaming some NHL 20, doing a whole bunch of little things just to keep people involved. Yeah. And I know we talked about, 
I know we've teased the beer league beat around beer, the beer mm-hmm. league beat a lot. I know you're excited for that too. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. We can't start that up right away. Um, I'm the head coach of the uh, JDH uh, <laughs> hockey team. Shout out Justice and Hockey and everything they're doing right now. Um, especially with those custom skate skins. Um, make sure you check that out because that's going to be an absolute game changer. I think that's going to take over, you know, what's going on right now. They're even talking about doing it in the NHL, whether you can do custom skates. So I think that's a huge thing right now. Get on skate skins, um, JDH to the boys. Um, everything they're doing is absolutely phenomenal. We're going to be hopefully dropping, you know, some crossing swords and two goalies one mic uh merge through them they're the plug for everything you know we pretty much do and in, in, especially into the hockey world uh just great guys we got a lot going forward uh we had that you know nhl 20 tournament we got a whole bunch of other stuff hopefully planned going forward uh depending you know when everything opens back up but there's a lot of things in the works i know them boys are always grinding and we're always doing stuff with them. Uh, so just, you know, stay looking out for them. You know, Justice and Hockey, uh, Trainwreck Sports, Crossing Swords. Uh, there's just constant content. You know, we got the best of Buffalo bracket going on. There's just so oh, much God, you know, that's we're a still trying to do. Yeah, there's just so much we're still trying to do right now. We're trying to, you know, give some sort of entertainment and for all the people right now while, you know, we're kind of all cooped up. So. Uh, stay inside, stay safe, and just, you know, take in whatever content you like, give us some suggestions, and, you know, we'll do what we can. Yeah, man, and like I said, I, all week I've been pushing a lot of uh, different polls on both my main and uh, the two goalies on my Twitter accounts, and um, shout out also to Johnny Huey, one of our uh, assisting producers. Um, kid has been doing a lot of work for us on our new Facebook page. Shout out to you, buddy. We'll definitely get you on the show soon to introduce you. Um, but I've been doing a lot of polls as of late, um, asking you know the fans like who are your favorite hockey movie characters, and I've gotten a lot of decent de- decent feedback um, on every single poll. Um, I mean, uh, Ty, I mean, if, I don't know if you plan on sticking around with us, uh, you know, after this, but um, I know Cully uh, just I think he just pulled in actually. Um, um, we're gonna touch on after, with the interview with uh, Kurt and then. Maybe Nick Harper, but we also want to get into you know not 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 fully disclosing what we plan on doing with those polls, but we're gonna you know touch on some of our favorite uh, hockey movie characters. Do you have any off the top of your mind that you wanna that would be, or do you want to hold off? Um, I'll just give a couple quick shout outs. Um, Mighty Ducks, you got to give a shout out to Tyler. Oh yeah, uh, bringing in the the knuckle puck. Uh, Goldberg, absolute beaut. Um, I'd get, I'd give another little shout out to Doug Glatt. Doug Glatt, um, man. Like, and then, I mean, a it's movie. a little different when you're talking about Miracle because you know they're they're real people. Yeah. Um, but you gotta love Arusioni. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, um, Yeah. Exactly. Oh, um, most underrated hockey movie of all time, and it's my personal favorite, is always going to be Mystery Alaska, man. I just love that fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, um, you said that to me earlier. That's one hockey movie I haven't seen, but I've it's heard a different so generation, much about it. I really do have to see it. It's, it's, it's a little before my time, so that's probably why yeah. I've missed it, but... 
it's yeah that's something i gotta catch up on while i got know, some free time russell crowe does an un- unbelievable job job as john bb on the captain of the mystery team um for those you don't know uh, <clears throat> uh it's a it's a movie about uh a, a pond hockey team in mystery alaska a bunch of ragtag guys you know you know not the best in shape guys, but they just play for the love of the game. Uh, an article in Sports Illustrated catches fire, and they rolled with it, and they got the Rangers up there to play them on the pond, and it went from being a pond hockey game into something completely different. Um, a lot of great, great acting in that movie, and very, very underrated. And I highly recommend anybody see it. So Ty, if you decide to stick around, uh, if we get into that, I'd love to hear some more of your top three stuff. Um, but um, definitely, uh, we mentioned Tyler earlier. Uh, I always love the scene in the second one where they're try- they they call a timeout right before the goalie knuckle puck scene, and somehow in a forty-five second to minute timeout, they fully get him in goalie equipment. <laughs> Completely different guy, and he just rolls up to the blue line. They switch a stick, <laughs> takes his helmet off, and he he rips a knuckle puck from the opposing blue it, yeah. line. <laughs> Like, yeah, just no one realizes it's it's actually a black kid. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, man? I, 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 I've, I've been late for hockey games before where I've had to get dressed quick. I have never in my life gotten all of my goal, goalie gear on. Even if it's just a pads and chest protector and helmet and gloves, it has never taken me under under five minutes, let alone one minute, to get all that shit on. So, Dude, it's never it's never taken me less than five minutes to get ready for a baseball game. Yeah, so that 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 was always wild to me that nobody ever complained about that. Like, yo, what is this? Like, what? How long is this timeout? But um, like I said, um, we're gonna take a short break. Um, we're gonna tee up one of our sponsors at Mitt's Barbershop. Um, one of our uh, very faithful, loyal sponsors. Um. Just a word for me, after all this is done, I definitely suggest anybody who needs to get their hair cut, like me, my hair is out of control, go over to Mitt's Barbershop on Genesee, same plaza as the 33 Speakeasy. Let Justin take care of you. Let him know that two goalies, one Mike sent you, and he'll, uh, he'll cut you a good deal. So, This podcast is brought to you by Mitt's Barbershop, created and owned by a true friend of the program, Justin Gritsky. Mitts is a modern-day barbershop that provides a cool atmosphere featuring some of the greatest barbershops Buffalo has to offer. Come in, enjoy a free beer, play some video games, and get the best haircut in the area. When I asked Justin what sets Mitts apart from the evil chain super-duper cuts that we see at every intersection, his answer says it all. My vision was to create the only true barbershop in Cheektowaga. When customers walked in, I wanted them to get that feeling they got when they strolled into the barbershops of old. The golden era of what a barbershop meant, not just a place to get your hair cut. So if you're looking for the real deal, come on down to Mitts to get the real feel of what a true barbershop is and what it's supposed to be. The clear-cut top dog for all your haircutting needs. Look no further than Mitts Barbershop. And when you mention that two goalies and one mic sent you in, receive $5 off your haircut that day. Talk about customer service at its finest. Located at 3461 Genesee Street in Cheektowaga, it is located right next door to the 33 Speakeasy Bar and Grill. Their phone number is 868-1424, and their hours are 
Monday, 12 to 6, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. On Saturday, they're open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and closed on Sundays because why not? Everybody deserves a little Sunday fun day. I want to finish this ad read off by reading a great testimonial from one of Mitt's loyal customers. Tired of the cookie cutter salons trying to get your attention? Also tired of those men-focused salons? Then when you leave, you feel like you just visited a Supercuts for Men and the haircut isn't any better? Then Mitt's is the place for you. Great cut, very professional, great atmosphere. A great place for men to get cut and trimmed up. I'm honestly a little sad I'm only visiting Buffalo because I need something like Mitt's back home. You heard it here first. Come on down to Mitt's for a great cut and an even better experience. We're happy to have them as a sponsor to the show, and we hope you join us in finding out what makes Mitt's just so special. Thanks again to Justin and all the hard work him and his staff do. And without further ado, we'll kick it back to Two Goalies, One Mike. Laughing. Welcome back to Two Goalies, One Mike. Um, I am Dwayne. Uh, unfortunately, Cully will not be able to make it for the last half of this episode. He is predisposed, but I still got Ty B here with me. Ty, um, you gave one of your favorite moments uh, growing up hockey movies, the infamous Russ Tyler uh, knuckle puck scene where uh, he was able to get into full goalie gear down from player gear in a 45 second timeout and nobody just happened to notice the African-American kid now in goal not the heavy Italian kid um. oh exactly <laughs> <laughs> like, it, just, it, it just blows my mind thinking about it more and more yeah and you know I've been hitting these polls hard um, you know trying to gauge an idea of what everybody's um, favorite hockey characters were not really just movies as hockey characters because um um as i stated before one of my hockey favorite movies under most underrated movie was always mystery alaska ty you mentioned you're gonna try and make sure you watch that uh at some point here um just such an underrated honestly i think it's one of the best and doesn't get its due um but obviously mighty ducks are classic all three of them i think would you say the third was the worst one I'd say so. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they kind of stretched. They stretched a lot there. Yeah, you get you you get almost no Gordon Bombay. You get some random coach that nobody really cares about coaching the JV team. Yeah, you change the team name. You don't let them be the Ducks. Yeah. That's just that was just heartbreaking for for me as a child. I mean, I and the again like another what was I don't even know what the school name was the school that they all went to and then randomly they got expelled they were gonna get expelled near like during the movie and then one of the Bash brothers shows up at the end <laughs> like it's just it's just like it was just I want to say stupid but I mean I don't know man it just didn't have it didn't carry a good storyline like the previous two did what what drove me nuts about the second one man is that like. This big ju- world junior tournament, they pick that entire Ducks team from the first movie based right. on them winning a house league championship game. Right. Yeah, best, they, they got to be the best. In the they got to be the best in the country, right? House league up in Minnesota. Yeah. There's nobody else. The, the, the best of the best, that team right there. Gordon yeah, Bombay. Best, the best 12U house team in the entire country. Yeah. The, a bunch of ragtag District but 5 I mean, kids. I mean, to be honest, a, a bunch of 12-year-old house kids could probably beat 
a Trinidad and Tobago team at any time. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, I don't know, like, that, that first movie showed some, honestly, some of the worst actual, like, hockey acting. I remember some of the goals Goldberg let in. It was just, like, atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember the, uh, one, of the, one of the kids from the Hawks was just coming in one-on-one, and he just randomly goes into a two-pack jammer. And just he just takes it right around and wrap around in and that like what are you doing there? I don't there? know. I've I've heard you you do that if you get into the uh, sauce a little bit too much when you're on the ice. I do, that. I do, I do, I, I do Who a little bit. Two pad stack. I mean, I do it by myself in the house, not on the sauce. Um, but I uh yeah, and then the other the other thing was uh, I remember the one save he made in the third period. It was a direct shot into the chest, and Bombay screams at the top of his lungs. Big save, Goldberg! We'll get him in overtime! It's like, dude, he shot it right at his chest. He didn't... You, gotta, you gotta build some confidence in that. I age, especially, especially with a kid like Goldberg. Like, oh, yeah. He's a chubby, you know, little Italian kid, always eating all the time, like, eating his yeah. feelings away. You gotta build his confidence up, especially when he's getting pucks slung at him all day long. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, I just thought that was, that was friggin' hilarious. Um, but, uh, any other like hockey moments and movies, Ty, that you uh, come to mind that you uh, that you look back on and you're really fond of? Anything else? Um, I think another big one for me, especially because as a kid, you know, you hear about Miracle on Ice, and then when we finally were able to see it on the big screen, you have Herb Brooks deliver that speech in the locker room. It, it still gives me chills just thinking about it and. You know, I can't even imagine what it would have been like, like kind of finding out, you know, through the tickers that USA wins and not being able to watch the game for like six hours on television. Um, and, and like some, so many people didn't know and like some people could like find out if they wanted, but it's just absolutely unbelievable the way Herb Brooks was able to deliver that speech, you know, nine times out of ten. They're not going to beat them, but yeah. it's, it's our night. And, it's our night, yeah. You know, they go out and they do it. And, you know the rest is history obviously i thought it was really cool when they would walk out to the ice they had all the telegrams to the team all over the walls from people all around the country it was just like because that whole game there was so much politically surrounding that game Mm -hmm. it it was so much more than a hockey game it was like because of the obviously the cold war tensions between us and russia it was just it became it became such um it was like almost a small victory for the united states in that political battle with 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 russia you know, because exactly. for the longest time, Russia was just unbeatable. They just didn't. They got to the. It got to the point for them where they just didn't smile when they scored goals. They didn't smile when they won. They, it was just mm-hmm. expected. Expect. You even look at it now, man. You even look at it now. Hockey, hockey in Russia now. Uh, I think it's freaking hilarious. Putin won that that one game you played in. <laughs> he let him score yeah, like thirteen like goals a year. Dude, he's filthy. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> like like the most. I, I like I like his comrades are like yeah no skate right by me here bud yeah I mean it could it, it was it was wild man it was like watching like somebody in that, in that firm it was like watching somebody at a card game who has a who has a royal flush and you're you're playing against your boss and you're like oh yeah I fold <laughs> like, just let him win like okay but I mean that's that's what it was like it was like there you know like the tensions like. Win, win, winning is everything. Obviously, that's how it is in sports. But I mean, back then it was just the expectation was we win, we don't lose. I mean, he he pulled 
he pulled the greatest goalie in the world, still to this day, arguably the greatest Russian goalie that ever lived, mm-hmm. pulled him after the first period. They, that, that, that's insanity. He let in two goals in one period, and they pulled him. Like, a guy that's been their bread and butter for close to a decade at that point, and they pulled him. It was That was wild to me, man. And I forget what team drafted him. I want to say it was Montreal drafted Trechiak. But, of course, when they drafted him, they also had a guy named Patrick Waugh. So it was like Trechiak never got a chance in the NHL, which is wild to me, man, because he's, he is easily the greatest goaltender that ever lived that never got his chance to play in the, in the National. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, um... I don't know. Uh, for me, hockey moments, you kind of stole my thunder with the Russ Tyler. <laughs> the Russ Tyler moment. Um, but as far as speeches go, I'll always say, um, and maybe I could try and cue up this this audio too, um, the John Beebe speech in between the second and third period of Mr. Alaska. You got to listen to this, man. It, it's Russell Crowe plays John Beebe, and he gives this fucking unbelievable speech to get these guys juiced up to go out there and play a third period down by three against the Rangers. Um, and he's like, is anybody tired? No, no, no. He's like, I said, is anybody fucking tired? It's just like, he just goes from zero to 10 like that. And it just, he gets me fired up just thinking about it, man. I mean, we can try and cue that audio here before we end the, end the show. Um, but uh, that was one of my favorite, not my favorite, but one of my favorite moments for sure. When it comes to speeches, like to get the, get the boy, to get the boys ready to rally. Um, another moment, um, I mean, who doesn't love the Julie the Cat Gaffney oh, yeah. <laughs> slow motion glove save on Gunnar Stahl? I mean, he, he literally, he literally, it, it, I don't understand what a triple deke is according to these movies, because is it just stick handling the puck three times real quick, stopping and shooting? Because that's kind of like what it seemed like to me. Because Gordon yeah. goes, he's the triple deke slap shot glove side, this is your guy. And you've never seen that before in your life. A coach take a goalie out in the middle of a shootout <laughs> and put somebody who legitimately hasn't played a minute the entire tournament for a shot. Not to my the sh- where the tournament is on the line. The tur- the whole tournament, the whole thing is on the line in this one moment. You put somebody in that that hasn't literally played in probably a month. It just it was wild to me. And then the puck's clearly in the glove. Everybody's staring at it. It's clearly not in the net, and everybody's being quiet. And then the slow motion flip the puck out of the glove onto the ice, and everybody loses their fucking minds. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's like, looking back on it as an adult, it's just like, well, where the fuck did you think the puck was? <laughs> like, where, where, where did you think it was? Like, clearly not in the net. Didn't hit the post. It's in, it's in the glove. And the, 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 it's, the, a, it's a thing called suspense, okay, Dwayne? Yeah, the suspense. The, right, but... the suspense. <laughs> The three, the three, the, the big, the big triple deke slap shot from the from the top hash mark. <laughs> that 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 was the big move, Gunner Stahl, with 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 the gold medal on the line. Uh, I've seen that from a couple Sabers over the years. So, I mean, don't be too critical. I, I'm I'm being critical. I mean, uh, over the year. Well, we're talking about the Sabers. I mean, I mean, over the years, are we talking about the last decade? Because if we're going to talk about the last decade, they really should just you know readjust their strategy if that's what they're doing. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh... We, we don't need to get into that yeah, right now. Yeah, we don't now. need to get into that. We've <laughs> talked enough about that. Um, but, yeah, man, just wrapping this show up. Um, I know we mentioned we try and get uh, Nick Harper on. Um, unfortunately, we're running a little too long today. But, um, Ty, you know, as always, I love that you came on with us. You're a friend of the program. 
Um, I meant, I know you mentioned you might hop on with us for a little while for next week. You're, you're, you're like our Mike Grinnelli, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're a guy, uh, in the, in the, you know, who, who hops on every once, once in a while and, uh, shoots a talk shop, talk shop with us, shoot the shit. Um, I'm really happy to have you, man. And hopefully have you again next week. Yeah. I love doing it. Love joining you guys. It's always good to talk Thanks. to both of you. I'm, you know, a little upset. I didn't get to shoot the shit with Cully. It's always, it's always a wild ride with him. Never know yeah. what he's going to say, but yeah, exactly. You know, it, we still had a great time, and I think it was a great episode for everyone. Um, just make sure you guys are staying tuned to everything we're doing at Trainwreck Sports over there on Twitter. Uh, we're about to start hammering a lot more stuff on the website. Um, all you baseball heads, we got some big MLB previews coming out soon for myself and my guy uh, Joe Cons, where we'll be doing some um, capsule reviews for the divisions with some uh, video, live video stuff at the end of the weeks, making a little interview interactive for everyone while we're all stuck in quarantine so we're all just trying to make the best of everything right now yeah hey what did you think of the uh real i'm sorry starting to interrupt but like you know it's getting to the point man where we may not see sports at all for the foreseeable future do you think it might get to the point where we might have to start betting on like professional wrestling yeah i don't know i've been i already bet a hundred dollars on what darian lake would reopen so <laughs> i'm already pretty much, i mean you know, i'm trying for up for anything so anyone's got yeah. any good bats any we, fun i stuff. Um, i don't want to hit the ponies a little bit um haven't been paying a ton of attention just you know spending you know twenty dollars a day or two here or there but you know i i think now with my free time that's something i'm not to start paying attention to that's something i wanted to do i wanted to pick a track this year and really key in on it focus in i was four of six two times like two separate times i was actually live at the at the track down at Prask. I was hoping I, you know, get a lot in this year, but it doesn't look yeah. like that's going to be happening. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been a rough go around, man. I, uh, I know they got money in the bank coming up. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking about it. I, I've heard through the grapevine that they're getting to do something really gimmicky. Um, I heard something even along the lines of maybe doing the show on the roof, something along those lines through a couple of uh, sources I have. I mean, they're just trying to do whatever they can, man, to, you know, make the product entertaining because re- in reality of it is, that's the only thing going right now for people to watch is sports entertainment. I know we shot the shit about WrestleMania not too long ago. I got I got a little tuned up and <laughs> did my own personal review on, live on Twitter. Um, I didn't even make it the whole night, man, because I, I, was, I, was, I was getting cooked. Um, drinking those Steve Austin uh, Broken Skull IPAs, and I was drinking, oh, God, uh, think twisted teas too i don't know why i mixed those two together they're just in the fridge and uh i was get, i was getting cooked um but um maybe that could be coming down the pipeline man i, I mean fuck i mean the, i know you can bet on it on certain websites with the um offshore stuff obviously it's not legal um in america none of the uh, pre-recorded stuff is but yeah well no they're going they're live now they're they're they're, they're live again now um not pre-recorded anymore so that could that that could that could be juicy that could definitely be juicy because i know like i i know sometimes uh you know the the uh results of certain matches are released preemptively which ruins it but um but i do know that they'd be called a they've been deemed in florida an essential business somehow that might have something to do with the fact that Vince McMahon has been hired by as an advisor by the president of the United States to reopen the country. Don't know how that works. How the, how the rest, how the, the genius behind wrestling is going to reopen the, reopen the country. But I mean, we'll see what happens, I guess. 
I guess I, I bet you Vince had a little pull there with getting getting Rustin to be considered an essential business when he when he, when he agreed to do that. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. He just only one phone call away. Yeah, right. They uh, ever since their infamous hair match where Vince had to shave his head and Trump and Trump and Trump tackled them alongside the ring. The ring. I couldn't even see that today. I could not. I could not see that guy in any type of physical altercation with anybody, <laughs> let alone Vince McMahon. <laughs> But whatever. Um, but hey, Gunnitai, thanks for being on with us. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, we're going to actually um, to to end the show. I'm gonna play that um, that rah rah speech from John Beebe from Mystery Alaska to end the show for you guys. Um, I hope you guys like it. I am Dwayne for Cully. This is two goalies, one Mike. Ty B, thanks for being on. Peace. Sending only the first guy. What are you talking about? I'm talking about we're beaten. We're not beaten. I'm not beaten. We're in this game. Anybody here tired? No. 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 Anybody fucking tired? No. no. Hold, Sonny. Not tired. Holt. I'm just warming up, Sheriff. Connor. I'm ready, John. Bertie, you with us? Yep. Good. Because the Rangers are starting to breathe through their mouths. The strides are getting shorter. Do not give these guys too much respect. They didn't pull a dog sled, did they? No, no. Didn't skate the river, did they? No, no. no. Forget about that fucking circus out there. That's still black ice. This is our pond. You're goddamn right. That's right. Phoebe's right. We got to take it to these guys. Yeah. Take Start it to going, them, guys. 110 guys. Yeah. Let's Let's go. Go. Let's do it. Let's Let's take it. Heads up. Don't commit. Let's Let's go. 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 This is our pond. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.